afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Good to be with you. The final for 2022. Just some traffic updates around the Mortu. Uh, State Highway 74A, Wollston, Christchurch, crash. Uh, and due to a crash, traffic signals at the intersection between State Highway 74A and Ferry Road are currently flashing amber. Uh, please apply the giveaway rules and exercise caution in the area uh, this afternoon. And uh, this is uh, this is at uh, 3.50pm due to an earlier truck crash. State Highway 39 is closed south of Hamilton between Pirongia and Pukitotara for clean-up. Southbound traffic followed directions of emergency services on site. Northbound traffic used State Highway 3 and State Highway 31. We'll give you an update on those or any other traffic that comes to hand. And uh, whatever you are seeing out there, if you are in a situation and that is at a standstill, not while driving, you can get in touch with us by text uh, two one. Zero one. And first up, government agencies are admitting failure in their attempts to make roads safer. With officials last year advising ministers a target to reduce deaths and serious injuries by 40% over a decade was unrealistic, reports Ben Strang for RNZ. The road toll has soared this year and is on par with 2018, the worst year for road deaths in recent memory. The scheme to make roads safer began in 2020. Police Assistant Commissioner Bruce O'Brien said improvements had been made and there was full commitment to Road 20, saying the report was from 2021. We've made significant improvements this year, especially around our breath screening tests, which is important to ensure out on the roads are not impaired, he said. With us to discuss is Matt Lowry from the Greater Auckland Transport Blog. Matt, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. We are heading the wrong way, Matt, it appears. What is going wrong? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. I mean, just put that, that 40% in context. Uh, you know, in 2013, we had 253 people lose their lives on our roads, and now in 2022, we're currently over over 360. So, you know, things have definitely been going the long way, but we have been lower before. So it's it's, it's not like we can't achieve these sorts of these sorts of outcomes. Yeah. So the goal was to reduce deaths and serious injuries by, as you said, 40 percent by 2030. That would apparently save uh, 750 lives over a decade. I mean, that's quite significant, Matt, isn't it? If that did happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, we obviously need it to happen. If we look at to many of our peer countries, you know, Australia, the UK, Scandinavian countries, a lot of those countries have much lower death tolls, you know, deaths on, our, on their roads you know, per, per capita type thing compared to what we have. And so you know, we know it's absolutely achievable. It's what, it, what it really requires is our agencies to, to actually put some effort into it. And that's something that they just haven't been doing. Sorry, no. um, Matt, I've, um, I wondered if you had a view. I've seen this sort of suggested as a theory that one of the reasons the road toll is going in the wrong direction is because so much police resource has been diverted over the last year um, into things like the lockdowns and the COVID response. So there just hasn't been the resource to put into um, policing our roads. Well, I think, I think it really starts back around that 2013 mark, and that's where, uh, you know, under the previous government, they, they took the foot off the accelerator, so to speak, and they diverted resources away then and started road, road, funding, road policing funding. And, you know, this is just the, the outcome of, of that. It's still, it's still flowing. You know, those outcomes are still happening as a result of, of those changes. And, 
yeah, it takes it takes a while to get back to where things were. Matt, who set the targets? Who set the target? Yeah, uh, the, the government and the Ministry of Transport set them based so on, this was on the... what was what was achievable. So the politicians and the officials agreed these are the targets we're going for. So you presume this wasn't. Yeah, officials blindsided by a a minister suddenly declaring something. These were mutually agreed targets that should have been achievable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the the things that 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 report this morning that that we failed to to achieve is uh, the rollout of median barriers across our state highways. I think they were meant to have hundreds of kilometres, and they've done about forty. So, why have we not achieved that? Well, agencies just haven't been, you know, haven't put the effort into to doing it, and. What they've done instead is use those to say, oh, well, perhaps we should do something else instead and, and delayed and delayed and, and rather than making some hard decisions, they've just tried to put them off. And Matt, I, I'm, I'm just, um, are we kind of having the right conversation when we're talking about reducing the road toll? Because I'm not minimising that they haven't met the targets. I'm not, I'm not saying that they have. But, I mean, when I was on the panel a month or so ago, I think I said that I think when you drive in New Zealand, there's a really high percentage of terrible drivers. And I don't mean they don't they lack the skills to drive. I mean that people drive very aggressively, they drive too fast, they're too close, they run red lights, and that you often see people driving using a mobile phone, you know. Uh, and so, I mean, these are passive road safety improvements are not a substitute for people driving well, following the rules. Is it a culture change, Matt? Well, well p- part, of, part of the whole road to zero comes from a... From a, a Swedish innovation called Vision Zero, which is basically it, it's saying that that yeah, people make mistakes, and the road should be designed so that people can make, this, make mistakes. You know, enforcement is a big part of that. So we we want people to know that they that they are, are going to be caught and, and dealt with if, if they are driving badly, which doesn't happen. And the other part is that the road should be designed so that so that you know if someone makes a mistake, if they drift off, if they um, you know whatever that, that might happen, that that they either can't drive badly or that, that if they do drive badly or, or something happens, that, that they're not going to die from it or, or be seriously injured by it. And that and was Bruce O'Brien's um, angle in a sense, Matt, as well, wasn't it? Police Assistant Commissioner Bruce O'Brien saying that, look, the big player in all of this is your personal responsibility of the driving public taking responsibility for their driving. Well, that... that, that Personal responsibility is absolutely a part of it, but so is also the police doing their job. And I don't think they, you know, while they've improved from what they say they've improved from what they've done in the past, they, they clearly haven't done enough around enforcement. And you know, we all see, as you say, red light runners and, and other things that are occurring, and those are things that are easy fixes to achieve because we've got things like red light cameras that we can put up, and we could we could do that relatively quickly and easily on a lot of places, right. and that would address those, those issues. And also a median barrier, barrier I guess, Wallace, stops those, you know, even someone falls asleep or someone's too aggressive yeah. or whatever, it does, it does save you. Because as much as we can say, yeah, we, should, we could all do better, one of the, but my big bugbears is our, you get on our roads in this country, there's no runoff. If you come off, you know, if you just vary a bit to the left, there is no tar seal. You know, yeah, so let's come back to that. You, you, I mean, let's face it, Matt, that is really disappointing, isn't it? I mean, Waka Kotahi missed the infrastructure targets to build 100 kilometres of medium, medium barriers a year and 400 by 2024. Instead, what's been done? 13 k's last year and 50 k um, inside 2020. It's just way short. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is stuff that can actually really make a big difference. You know, there's a couple of reasons why why they're missing that. One of them is they just 
they, they would rather put that effort into into you know, a duplicative highway that doesn't solve the pro- doesn't solve the problem on the on the roads that we have now that might solve it in fifteen years time, um, rather than yeah, let's, let's get some wins in now. And the other thing is, often particularly rural communities don't like those median barriers if, if it goes past their you know, past their gate, and you know we, uh-huh. we need to be having those hard conversations about um, you know this is actually something that's going to that's make lives better for everyone. Yes, it might inconvenience some people a little bit because they can't turn right out of their driveway, um, but we need to achieve these things if we want to actually make a meaningful difference. And we Matt, know that we can because we've, we've achieved it in the past, we've achieved better in the past, and other countries are doing far better than we are. Matt, appreciate your time this afternoon, and a Merry Christmas to you. You too, Will. That is uh, Matt Lowry over there from the Greater Auckland Transport Blog. Uh, Near State High one today, says someone on the text, and the speeding is worse than ever. It's often like this when city folks hit the open roads, the worst thing for drivers with no, not much experience. The driver culture here is getting more and more inconsiderate. So that's what you're kind of suggesting, Joe. Just around the panel on that, that New Zealand driving culture... Um, or as Bruce O'Brien says, your own responsibility. What of that? Well, I think that's where the really significant change would be made in our road safety. I don't think it is. I think I absolutely take Matt's points. I think they are really legitimate that changing the infrastructure um, keeps us safe, but we're not taking even these basic steps to keep ourselves safe. Um, I think there is a high percentage of New Zealanders who drive in a way that, makes the roads less safe for everyone. Well, the other thing too, Joe, is you look at countries like Germany, to get a licence, you have to display a range of skills well beyond what we're expected to show here, to be licensed to take this huge bit of machinery onto a road. Yeah, well, I mean, I got my licence at 15. Same. And it's a considerable number of years ago now, and I've never been right. retested. I mean, when we talk about the drowning statistics, we talk about teaching people to swim. I okay. think when we talk about the road toll, we should talk about Big response to that. Now, we have Joe McCarroll and Mark Sainsbury on the show. And just I, I just want to dedicate a part of the show, actually, to um, those people this Christmas that you just might want to remember. And I'd love to, you to give a shout-out to uh, that person or those people. You can text me at 2101. Someone that you, you kind of dearly miss, actually, with us is Tobias uh, in Whangarei. Welcome, Tobias. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? How are you, Tobias? Welcome to the program. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm, uh, we're, we're great, Tobias. Look, so a little section dedicated to um, a loved one at this special time. Um, tell us about who you would like to remember today. Um, I'd like to remember my parents. Um, my mother, Judy, died in, well, she passed in 2015, and my father, John, passed in... August of this year, and um, we'd like to remember them as stars. We tell the kids and the nieces and nephews that they're both that they're both stars, and so often on summer and over the holidays, we sort of look up and say, hi, Nonny, hi, Grandad. So, yeah, shout out to them if you wouldn't mind. That's wonderful, Tobias. Really, um, Joe, it's just, it's just that time to actually just think of those loved ones who aren't with you, huh? Absolutely. Um and my sympathies are with you, Tobias, and your family. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard, um, especially losing um, Dad in August. That sort of, you know, the horizon moves a bit closer. And, yeah. Um, but I, I, overall, it's very nice to be able to tell the kids 
that, that you know they're there and they're close and they can sort of look down and and you know they're not that far away even though they may not be here in in, in the physical world you know and and kids respond to that don't they they actually they 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 get they get that message don't they oh they love it they love it our daughter, she um, sometimes takes Nonny, who she was cremated, so we have her here, and she sometimes takes Nonny into her room, and Nonny will just there for a few days and hang out with Bella, and we don't really question it. We just know that she likes to be close to her, so kids respond to the fact that people may have changed form, but, you know, they're still here as such. Yeah. Oh, kia ora, Tobias. Yeah, Mark? Yeah, well, look, it's, it's, it's funny you talk about your mother and your mum and dad, device, because that's exactly what I think about this Christmas. And my mother, I know I've told you this before, Wallace was a fabulous cook. You know, she mm. was just amazing. And so Christmas was always just a, a particularly special time and around food and everything like that. Okay. And, and I just, I would just, and it's funny, this Christmas, I don't know why, whether it's just been our lockdown thing or whatever, but I sort of miss them more this Christmas than I have for quite a while. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so Tobias, um, all the very best this season. And I really appreciate you tuning in and being with us as well. Yeah, thank you, Wallace. I really appreciate it. Um, and just a gentle shout-out to everyone who's missing Fano at this time. It's, um, it's time, I suppose, to look back and just be gentle and reflect on those who have brought us this far. Kia ora, Tobias. Thank you. Uh, and now with us is Fiona. Fiona, welcome to the panel. Thank you. Uh, you've got a really wonderful story because, in a way, you combine memory with fruitcake. Yes, well, I heard what you were saying about fruitcakes earlier, and it reminded me of my own experience. And what is that? Well, um, so I was the youngest of five children being raised by our mother in Dunedin. And she just had this very healthy attitude to life. And everything we ate had to be good. So, you know, no fizzy drinks or anything like that. And whenever she was baking, it would only ever be a fruitcake. But it was too rich for me. Yes. And whenever I came home from school, I would look through whatever biscuit tins or whatever there, there were in the hope that there might be a sweet cake to eat. <laughs> and there was, never, there was never anything there. <laughs> Nothing but fruitcake. You should have come to <laughs> Everywhere should, I look. You should have come to our house. Because <laughs> that was one of my... You, as soon as you said that, it's going through the tins, the, the tins in the cupboard, you know, looking for the baking. Yes. Oh. Maybe if you know this, where I get that uh, message from, because, you know, the, 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 the church cupboard... It was fruitcake as far as the eye can see, but you yeah. didn't have your marshmallow puff, you didn't have your shrewsbury, but hell, you had fruitcake, Fiona, for miles and miles and miles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, she died when I was 18, and so it wasn't until after that that my, um, my taste buds matured, I guess. And so I came to to like fruitcakes. Mm. And so it is only whenever I have a fruitcake now, I always remember her. Oh, wow. Fiona, that's this a beautiful story. Thank you. And thanks for being with us today on this, um, on this occasion. Yes, and if I can just say, it would have been her, oh, about her 96th birthday tomorrow. Oh, 96th birthday tomorrow. Yeah, Fiona, go well. Thanks for your time. 
Thank you, and all the very best. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Fiona. 22 past four, and continuing that theme, as I said, we had so many wonderful responses about Christmas food cake. I thought, well, what have I been missing? Dismissing fruit cake so readily. So in the spirit of the season, I thought I'd bring in another <laughs> fruit cake aficionado on the show. Carol, hello to you. Welcome to the panel. Bola Wallace. Bola. Yeah, Nissan Bola Vanaka, Carol. Yes, Nissan Bola Vanaka. <laughs> I believe you made more than one fruit Christmas cake, Carol. Yes, I made five because my, um, well, I love it. I love fruit cake. And I uh, have a son in law who only comes to visit me to eat my fruit cake, I think. <laughs> no, that's not quite true. But. Um, yeah, no, he loves it, and my son doesn't like it, um, so we're a bit divided in the family, but um, I I love it, so I make it. There's a lot of tradition about uh, fruitcakes. Right. I, I was thinking about it, you know, born in the 1950s, uh, fruitcakes are what we had for birthdays, Christmas, weddings, christenings, uh, and they remind you of your Mothers and grandmothers and things. Oh, so. okay. Something's clicked. It's it's more than just it's more than it's, just food, Joe. This is cultural. Right. This is this is this is <clears throat> part of a, a family's DNA, Joe McCarroll. <clears throat> yeah, and it's something people are having at, at special times. You know, you're having it at Christmas when you're with your family. You're having it when you're celebrating something like a wedding or a christening. Um, you know, it, it gets pretty hard woven into your emotional landscape then. So I wouldn't be like, let's make a Chris- Christmas cake of a Thursday, you know, just for lols. But, but yeah, I find at Christmas it's it's a lovely treat to have. And I make one every year too, Carol, not five. But, you know, I might, I might <laughs> build up to that. I, I actually, I cheat a bit because I, uh, here's a little hint from a home ec teacher, which I was. Yes. Um, I cook them in uh, loaf tins. So they don't take quite so long to cook. And you don't, because, you know, they, um, sometimes you have trouble cooking the middle. So if you make them in loaf tins, uh, they take less time to cook and uh, they're easy to cut. So it's a bit of a trick. Hey, Carol, you triggered something with us too when you said, you know, all birthday cakes, all cakes would be fruit cakes early on in the piece. And, yes. and my mother yes. was a fabulous cook and got there later, but we had an auntie, Auntie Beat. And every oh, birthday, yes. she would always, she bought these amazing cakes. One was like one of the rockets out of Tintin. Another was, I mean, uh. these were works of art, Wallace. Except we looked and thought, this is fantastic, until we cut into it. <laughs> oh, bloody fruit cake. You see, that's it, Mark. <laughs> Carol, you have yes. a wonderful Christmas for Fano. Thanks for being yep. with us here on the panel. You're welcome. And, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody, to yourself and everyone listening. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. 26 Bye. past four. Um, the, the special shout-outs to loved ones continue. Ian and Elsa says, I would like to remember and acknowledge Victory Square Pharmacy for their service and kindness in the community during difficult times. That's it. We've put the cap, we've got the lid on fruitcakes. <laughs> Never in the panel's history will I mention them again. That's enough. We've had days. Anyway, to this completely different topic on our last show of the year. Who won't relate to the story on some level? That's why Me. we had to do it. No. <laughs> Fair enough. You're excited because it's been a while and you've booked into the hairdresser for Christmas and you can't wait to come out feeling 
little bit flash, a new person. But then it all goes horribly wrong. This happened to Deanna Woodfield, who wanted a new hairstyle for a Christmas party. I don't know what to do. It's so awful. Oh, my God. I just walked out. I said thank you, and I walked out. Oh, my God. What has she done? Oh, my God. I don't even know what I'm going to do to fix it. Oh, my God. It so happened on TikTok. Millions and millions viewed it around the world. Deanna, welcome to the panel. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. More importantly, how are you? I'm good. I had my hair fixed yesterday, got it properly cut and coloured, and it's looking way better. So I'm doing much better. Oh, fantastic. That's good, because that's all we wanted to know. I, I, I was trying to put a really – I was thinking about this. How do I put a positive spin on this? But it was hard because it wasn't the greatest haircut, was it? No, it definitely wasn't what I was after. It wasn't what I asked for. Um, so, yeah, I was I was a bit mortified when I left the hairdresser. Yeah. Um, so how did it all – how did it go all so wrong? Uh, well, I – I had actually been to that hair salon before uh, just to get my fringe trimmed because um, I don't often go and get it, you know, coloured often. So I just went in to get it trimmed um, and I asked her for curtain bangs, which is a quite commonly known style. And she was like, yep, no worries. Like, I'll do that for you. And then she started chopping and chopped it way too short. And she, yeah, she thought that I wanted a full fringe um, and not, it wasn't what I was after at all. <laughs> Yeah, curtain bangs are, um, if people don't know it, it's sort of the long layers around your face. And these were more oh. like like a pelmet bang because they were just <laughs> Gosh, a little bit at the top. But like kia kaha, Diana, because that's happened to me. And, you, and the, the bit that really I was like, I feel so seen is when you you say thank you yes. as you leave. <laughs> and I then you go so home <laughs> and cry. <laughs> I felt so bad for the, for the oh. lady because... When she chopped it, I was like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. And she goes, is that not what you wanted? I said, no, I don't want a fringe. I want face framing. And she was mortified too, the poor lady. She felt so bad because she could tell I was going to cry. Oh. <laughs> and so I was like, she didn't make me pay, which was great. Like She knew like that I was upset. And then I walked out of the salon. She actually chased after me and offered to buy me a coffee. Like She was so sorry that... She had she had not given me what I wanted. Oh dear! Look, I don't know if you've seen it, and it might be too soon because this is still quite a traumatic experience <laughs> for you. But um, in the in the second series of Fleabag, the sister gets a bad haircut in the in the hair is everything scene, and it is iconic. I would if you need a bit of a boost tonight, just watch that on YouTube because it is it is just something I think that every certainly every woman has had that experience, yeah. knows exactly what you're going through, is there for you. And I reckon like a bit of water spray and a round brush, you'll be able to style that and it will look cute. Yeah, I've just had to rock the full fringe now. Like I've been walking around today with a full fringe. Like it, it's fine. I Once I got it feathered out a little bit by my proper hairdresser, like it doesn't look terrible. It just isn't what, what I was after. So I'm just going to have to rock it for a little bit until it grows out. Mark Sainsbury, do we need to bring you in on this one? Well, this is something, of course, I have very little experience in, um, having no hair. So I've never had a bad haircut, 
unfortunately. But I do emphasise with you. And, and I just loved it when you said when you walked out, it's like we always do in a restaurant or whatever when the food is terrible. Go, oh, no, that was very nice. Thank you. And yeah, we always, we leave and go and, and fume about it otherwise. But it is just Kiwi culture, isn't it? It is. You know, like we're, we're just like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And when we get home, we're like, oh, that was, that was awful. Thank you for ruining my life. I am pleased to hear, though, that she was aware of it and did make an effort to try and make yeah. you feel a bit better. Okay, Diana, I just want finally, I want to ask you um, were you, I mean, this received so many people, millions, viewing uh, into their TikTok. Were you surprised at the amount of people? Uh, yes, I, I mean, it's just hit four million views, and what? that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, like, it's hard to wrap your head around how many people that actually is like if you've got four million people into a room like it's a, it's a okay. shitload of people so have you have you haven't you have you done an update with your new hairstyle i have yeah I've posted a few few tiktoks since and everyone says it looks great now so Good on you. all right hey merry christmas and you going to the party uh yes <laughs> Good on you. Very good. That's uh, Anna Waterford there who uh, rocked us. Sh- it was actually a very bad haircut. It was, it it was, was very, bad, very eh? badly styled as well. Yes. Um, but, you know, like I say, styling will hide a multitude of sins okay. and it'll soon grow out and then she can have the curtain bangs that she wants. All right.